This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. All right, here we go. Six days in counting. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade. Happy to be with you on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Got an exciting hour. Alan West, is it true Texas is really in jeopardy? Andy McCarthy standing by to help me through this legal ramifications, not only of court packing, not only of court rotating, judge rotating, I'm coining my own phrase there, but also about Tony Bobolinsky, a man that I know two people that know him. He bleeds red, white, and blue as uh, upstanding as it comes in America. He served our country for four years as a naval lieutenant, a naval officer, decorated, and a self-made multimillionaire who came out and talked about his relationship with the uh, the second family of the United States, Vice President Joe Biden, and the two meetings he had with Biden and how they're making him look bad and lying about it today. Andy McCarthy on that, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But the real problem is not that. The problem is that these giant network platforms have become the most powerful publishers in the world, and they're governed by mid-1990s legislation, which was drafted where they didn't mostly exist when they were little fledgling enterprises. Yes, uh, Neil Ferguson of the Hoover Institute, who wrote a book about big tech and how they were going to get revenge for being used by the Trump team to win in 2016. And now they find themselves front and center on Capitol Hill, taking on tech, big tech. Should lawmakers begin the process of taking away their 230 protections and hold Facebook, Google, and Twitter to the standards of the press? I say yes. Let the hearings begin. Number two. But this is Jim Biden, the brother of the potential future president of the United States. It's not a distant cousin. It's not an employee. It's his brother who, in documents, defines himself as a political advisor to his brother. Tony Bobolinsky blows up Biden's myth and that Joe and his family have nothing to do with Hunter's international hijinks. The former family, uh, the former family partner provided proof that Joe is lying and America better pay attention. We are paying attention. You're paying attention. I want to hear more. Number one. You get out that red wave. Just get out. We have to win this election. My name is Joe Biden and I am Kamala's running mate. They all think I'm kidding, don't you? Yeah, wow. Six days until elections are done and almost 70 million people have voted. The latest poll of Trump's Roadshow attracts huge crowds and now includes uh, uh, his greatest defender, and that is Melania. She was in Pennsylvania yesterday. Meanwhile, Joe will be spending his time speaking, let me see, I have it here, in Delaware. We're going to go inside the numbers next. And I will go inside the numbers because the president's trailing, but he's coming up strong in Pennsylvania and and Florida. He's worried about Texas and they're worried about Georgia. We'll see what can happen in in Michigan because he's showing an uptick there and a downtick in Wisconsin. Man, this is going to be exciting. But first things first, I saw 
Tony Bobolinsky sit down with Tucker Carlson last night. And, of course, I saw him before the debate, and I know two people that know him, wrestled with him at Penn State. He's got a great reputation. As I mentioned earlier, self-made superstar uh, and self-made superstar who is extremely wealthy. He was asked to come in and help out the Biden family. He knew nothing about it but knew they had international ties and wanted someone to be the CEO of their family organization. Here's Tony Bobolinsky on what he was dealing with First and foremost, with China, cut 28. I didn't request to meet with Joe. They requested that I meet with Joe. And, uh, you know, he's putting his, um, and Hunter says this in writing, it was uh, referenced multiple times, uh, they were putting their entire family legacy on the line. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were dealing with a Chinese-owned, you know, uh, enterprise uh, run by Chairman Yi, CFC, that had strong financial support and political support from the Chinese Communist Party. That's how it was presented to me. That's not my own words. That's how they presented it to me and read me in on it. Are you interested? Uh, I think you should be, even if you're voting for Joe Biden. But if you're the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, ABC, CBS, NBC, you don't know anything about it. In fact, the, t- the, the paper that published this story still has its Twitter account frozen. And if you retweeted the story, you're frozen out, too. Andy McCarthy joins me now. Andy, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Andy, did you have a chance to see the whole interview last night? I did. I thought it was uh, it was really just as a television presentation. It was a riveting uh, event. Bobolinsky's a very impressive guy, uh, as you say. You know, there are questions about his story. Everybody's uh, the, the tires ought to get kicked on everybody, right? The, you know, Absolutely. He knew he was dealing with China, too. And, uh, you know, when when the, the big money line in the interview was that, uh, you know, when he raised the possibility of problems arising out of this, uh, it was Jim Biden who uh, evidently told him, he says, uh, you know, plausible deniability was the way they had set this up. Yeah, you know, somebody tells you that they're involved in something that needs to be deniable, and you stay involved with them. That's that's problematic. But you know, th- those are nicks compared to the story, which I thought was most impressive, Brian, because uh, he encouraged people to ask questions. He has a paper trail that backs him up, and he encouraged people to look at it, and he also encouraged them to talk to the other relevant witnesses, which. You know, in my experience, 20 years as a prosecutor, if somebody's trying to lie, the last thing they do is encourage you to look at the paper trail and talk to the other witnesses. And um, the last I'm a thing kind say- person. And um, I'm thinking about the Biden family. Like, how are they doing this? I know Joe decided not to run in 2016, but what if he ran in the future? Aren't they taking political risk or headline risk? And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of he looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. That's unbelievable. I, I'm just listening to this. And then to know that he would eventually do business in with this Chinese company, the Ukrainian company, Kazakhstan, Morocco, Poland, and Romania. That's what he rolled off that Hunter was involved in. Why? I don't even know if he has a college education. He's trading on the name along with his uncle. Well, you know, look, he he does have a significant college education. Now, you know, he uh, he also had very good connections. But you know, he went to uh, uh, he graduated from Yale Law School. 
uh, and he's been working business since he got out of, of school. He probably had uh, a lot of good entrees into the places that he worked for. But nevertheless, he doesn't have any, you know, when he gets out of Yale Law School, he's got no experience in business, and suddenly he's got a high-ranking uh, position at MBNA. He goes on to investment, which he has no experience in. He goes into the end of, in, uh, energy industry, which he has no experience in. People are paying him millions and millions of dollars, and two things seem to follow him around, Brian. One is all the ventures go up in smoke. You know, we hear all the time about, like, Trump went bankrupt here, Trump went bankrupt there. They don't seem to mention with with this guy that everything he touched turned to, to garbage. Um, and, you know, the other thing is everybody who's associated with him, if you look around the circle, they're all convicted of fraud. You know, his two business partners, uh, Devin Archer and Bevan Cooney, yeah. were convicted in a case in federal court about, it. Uh, I guess it was two years ago. Uh, the Chinese guys that he was dealing with, one of them was was uh, convicted in America of bribery. The other guy uh, was arrested in China in early 2018 and hasn't been heard of since. That's their idea of due process there. But, I mean, if you look all around here, there's, it, there's like a cloud of either incompetence or fraud that, that runs around virtually everything this guy does. So, so for Bobolinsky, before I – there's one thing, you know, if you have a son or a daughter and, and they're getting into trouble, that's one thing. You know, Billy Carter got into trouble. Um, Roger Clinton got into trouble. But the question is, is Joe Biden a part of this? And his older brother is no young guy. This guy says that he put Joe Biden into the position he's in right now. And they're dealing with another country, a communist country and their energy firm. And then Bobolinsky starts to realize, oh, my God, look at how many places he's involved in. I don't want to even be involved in this, let alone when Adam Schiff comes out and and says that basically he's part of a Russian disinformation campaign. That's when he picks up the phone and says, if he does not retract that statement, I'm coming out with everything. And he says, I'm not going to be able to retract that statement. So he did come out with everything. Yeah, Uh, I had a I had a situation in a. A criminal case years and years ago where the same thing happened. I was actually kind of laughing at that part of the story yesterday because I had a guy who had been involved in a bunch of serious crimes uh, was, and was connected to organized crime, and then he got pinched for something that was relatively insignificant, and he wanted help getting a lawyer. And he told these guys, you know, they basically ignored him. And he said, you know, if you guys don't help me, I'm going to go march into the FBI and tell them everything. And they ignored him, and he did. You know, so sometimes that happens. You know, you feel you you insult somebody's uh, honor, or at least their sense of it, and the next thing, the whole thing blows up. So what is and it what, looks like if they had just made a phone call, right. they could have calmed this guy down. So do you think this is newsworthy? Do you think this is the reason to freeze an account? Do you think this something should be explored? Yeah, I mean, Brian, look, he's just if you just look at China without all the other stuff, and I think the other stuff is very alarming, but. The guys they were doing business with in China are heavy hitters with the Chinese Communist Party. There's millions of dollars that were involved. There's obvious bribery-type payoffs going on. I mean, the 2.8-carat diamond that that, uh, Ye Jinming gives Hunter while they're conducting negotiations, while while Ye's business partner, uh, Patrick Ho, is being is bribing everybody in Africa and ultimately getting prosecuted for it. Uh, 
you know, the idea that um, these guys who were very heavily connected to the Chinese government, uh, that they don't have leverage on Hunter, given the stuff that we have already heard that's on this computer, uh, and the fact that every time Hunter was in China, he was, you know, basically being uh, escorted around by these characters, uh, and the fact that when he goes over there to do business, he goes on on uh, Air Force Two, uh, and he's got his father in the middle of the transaction, supposed to get a 10% cut, which, as Bo Belinsky says, uh, th- there's documentary backup for that. This is extremely alarming. And I must say, you know, look, if, if they had a tenth of this on Trump, uh, he'd have been impeached again. So this other tape came out on Hunter Biden. I don't really know the players, but listen to this. He He's lamenting about getting calls from reporters, inquiries about reporters, and people he's dealing with are mind-numbing. Cut 35. I get calls from my father to tell me that the New York Times is calling but my old partner, Eric, who literally has done me harm for I don't know how long, is the one taking the calls because my father will not stop sending the calls to Eric. I have another New York Times reporter calling about my representation of the, literally, Dr. Patrick Coe, the spy chief of China, who started the company that my partner, who was worth $323 billion found it and is now missing. And I am receiving calls from the Southern District of New York, from the U.S. Attorney himself. My best friend in business, Devin, has named me as a witness without telling me. In a criminal case, and my father without telling me. How complicated is this guy's life? What the hell is he up to? Yeah, I'm going to have a column <clears throat> about that uh, soliloquy today uh, at National Review, Brian. But, uh, you know, just to go backwards in order, the partner he's talking about, his best friend in business is Devin Archer. Got it. And what I what I think he's probably talking about was Archer was facing a fraud prosecution. He was convicted in 2018. And it's standard practice in the Southern District of New York that before the trial, the parties exchange witness lists. So that, you know, each side knows who's going to come up in the evidence and they can do some background investigation if they want to. So I imagine what Archer's lawyers did was put the Bidens on their witness list. And he probably got calls from prosecutors in the Southern District of New York looking to interview him to see what he'd say if he was called as a witness at the trial. I think he was not called as a witness at the trial, although his name featured prominently. Uh, the two guys from China he's talking about are the guys we've discussed, Patrick Ho and uh, Ye Jinming. Uh, Ho is the guy he calls the spy chief. Uh, he's the one who was convicted of uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act violations in the Southern District of New York. Ye Jinming, who's very tightly uh, connected to uh, Chinese intelligence and military, is the guy who disappeared and has never been heard of since in um, February of 2018, one of the richest men uh, in the world. And then the guy he talks about at the beginning, Eric, is a guy named uh, Eric Schwerin, uh, who lobbied Hunter to get a job in the uh, Obama administration, uh, was in fact hired, and has a very uh, interesting email that he sends 
to Hunter in 2014, I think it was, because the geniuses, uh, Hunter and Devin Archer, had a picture of Vice President Biden and Archer on Burisma's website. Unbelievable. So, so Schwerin had to call him to tell them to take it down. They didn't think it was a good idea to have uh, Biden's picture on the website of a corrupt energy company from Ukraine. In 57 seconds, he just... You unwound what he said in that 57 seconds to man. He was knee deep uh, in a lot of stuff that he clearly, judging by his voice, he was way over his head. And it was, his life was, seems totally out of control, let alone the other issues he's dealing with. Andy McCarthy, we look forward to getting that column. Unbelievable what I saw last night. Unbelievable that not the Washington Post, New York Times, or Wall Street Journal cares enough to write about it. Andy, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Bottom of the hour, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West on Is Texas Really in Jeopardy? And next, your calls 1 866 408 7669. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Should we expand the court? Well, let's take a look and see. Right. But not, and that relates to the nine uh, district courts. Maybe we need more district courts as well. Yeah, uh, let's have more district courts. So they're talking about judge rotations to get the Supreme Court out or expanding the Supreme Court. So they're going to alter a branch of power. Can you believe this? A branch of government. After 150 years, it hasn't budged. Number two. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. <laughs> His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. They're talking about expanding the districts or rotating district judges out. They feel they're too young and too conservative. That, according to Chris Coons. Who are these people? 
Kevin, listening in Kansas on WIBW. Kevin. Uh, yeah, good morning. I had a couple of thoughts uh, real Go quick. Go ahead. Um, first, I guess, with the uh, the whole laptop thing and how Pelosi was trying to use the 25th Amendment to see if she could get somebody out based on being unfit. But what if the media is kind of waiting on uh, to see if Biden wins, then they'll use the laptop story to kind of try to kick him out based upon corruption and ties and that. And then they got their Trojan horse done and they got Harris as president. It would just be something, okay. right, Kevin? I haven't ruled that out. I'm telling you, they, they could be saying to themselves, Joe is compromised. Because if that laptop is given over to the FBI in December of 2019 and all these things are out there and rumors about Hunter are swirling, why was that never brought up? Why were these? Uh, why was this never come forward? Why did the FBI not just, when there were other candidates on that stage, why wouldn't the FBI just say, okay, I just want to tell you about this information about one of the, the, uh, one of the candidates, former Vice President Biden? Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. In the most voter-suppressed state in the country, you're already seeing record turnout. And so much of that is fueled by black voters and Latino voters and voters in communities of color, precisely the ones that we're turning out today with the Texas Organizing Project. So this is Biden's state to lose. And we are doing our part here in Texas. We would love to see uh, Joe Biden come down here as well. Kamala Harris is. They believe that is now a battleground state. Is it? Is Texas a battleground state? If it is, and it goes to Biden, it doesn't even matter about Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Uh, let's bring Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Center. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, that was Beto O'Rourke. He does see a closing of the polls. Where are they at from, from your perspective? Well, it's good to be with you, Brian. And I will tell you that the, the last major report that I got as of Sunday, you had 7,158,256 votes that have been cast here in Texas. We're leading the country, and uh, that includes the mail-in and the in-person older voting to this point. And Republicans have a 6.3% uh, edge over the Democrats, and that does not include the unaffiliated voters. And when you look at what has happened in the Hispanic community, there is something that is earth-shattering going on. It's South Texas, Laredo, uh, for instance, where you see a massive amount of Hispanic support for President Trump. I was out in El Paso this past weekend, and I saw maybe three Biden-Harris signs. I saw no bumper stickers. I saw a lot of signs supporting uh, President Trump. And you see bumper, I mean, uh, billboards all over the state supporting President Trump. So there is no way that Texas, with the oil and gas industry that we have here, is going to go to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who support the Green New Deal and want us to transition away from oil. So that's uh, that's a reassuring to hear. I just go over the polls just a little bit. Uh, the Times Siena poll has Trump up by four. The Quinnipiac poll has it a dead heat. Uh, Trump up by three in the University of Houston uh, poll. And he uh, Biden up by three, according to the Dallas Morning News. That's what really threw me. And the Rasmussen poll has Trump up by seven. 
Well, the Dallas Morning News poll in conjunction with the University of Texas, Tyler, uh, it took a survey of 1,012 registered voters. And if anyone wants to get an accurate uh, count on a polling right now, they should be talking to likely voters, not registered voters. So Texas has between 17 million and 18 million registered voters. And this poll from UT uh, Tyler with the Dallas Morning News only polled 1,012. And we're supposed to believe that Texas is uh, in jeopardy of going blue because of a poll of 1,012 people, I find that unconscionable. Last night I was down in Hood County, which is just southwest of uh, Fort Worth, and I just asked people, how many of you all have been, uh, you know, contacted by any type of posters? There were about two, maybe 250 people there, and I saw two hands go up. Uh, we're going to fast forward now and talk to Tony Bobolinski. He spent four years in the Navy, became an officer, a colonel, graduated from Penn State, was a wrestler, became a self-made, self-made uh, multimillionaire, and was recruited by the Biden family to represent their fund, which was generating money from China, an energy firm in China directly affiliated and supported by the Chinese government. So as he's listening to J- uh, Jim Biden and Hunter Biden, he was asked to meet with Joe Biden, and they met together twice. He was representing the Biden family. He Here's a little of what Tony Bobolinsky said, because keep in mind, Joe Biden said, I knew nothing about what Hunter Biden was doing. Cut 30. Very important. May 13th, that email was generated by somebody else to me. In that email, there's a statement where they go through the equity. Jim Biden's referenced as, you know, 10% doesn't say Biden, it says Jim. And then it has 10% for the big guy held by H. I 1,000% sit here and know that the big guy is referencing Joe Biden. Um, it's, that's crystal clear to me because I lived it. I met with the former vice president in person multiple times, and I had been meeting and talking with Hunter Biden and, and uh, Jim Biden and Rob Walker and James Gillier. And Bobolinsky comes out and says, I didn't request to meet with Joe. They requested I meet with Joe. And, you know, he's putting it and the Hunter's saying in writing there were references multiple times of their meeting to never put Joe's name in writing, only face to face. I don't know if you've seen that interview, but if this guy is not believable, nobody is believable. Well, the interesting thing is that here you're talking about Mr. Bobolinsky, who was an officer in the United States Navy. If you compare that to Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, when all of a sudden the left said you have to believe a military officer, so what is the difference here with Mr. Bobolinsky, who served in the United States Navy? But, you know, just put this in reverse. If this were uh, Donald Trump Jr. Or, or Eric Trump, what would be going on right now in the United States of America? And that's what I think has so many people incensed. And we're sick and tired. The, the everyday, you know, American is sick and tired of seeing all of these things happen. And there are no consequences. Nothing ever happens. People always seem to get away with it. Or you have the media that dismisses it. Or you have social media that uh, censors it and blocks it out. That's why, you know, when you talk about Joe Biden leading in Texas or Joe Biden leading in some of these critical states, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a big surprise next week because people are tired of this corruption. People are tired of this political elitism that they see out there when they just want to be able to go about their business and their lives. And and if this were them, they would definitely, without a doubt, be uh, be prosecuted and persecuted and said, these individuals like the Biden family get to go free. Listen, he's been doing it for years. Even when he was vice president, this fund was churning. Now, Hunter Biden yes. said when they said when Bobolinsky went to sit down with Hunter Biden the first day, 
he was yelling into the phone at the Chinese official, you owe me $20 million. Where's our money? I gave you access. Where's our money? And Bobolinsky's like, what is going on here? So here he is talking about, uh, well, Tucker will handle it here. He asked the question uh, in response to what the vice president said on the debate stage. Cut 26. The former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. But this sounds like direct involvement in them. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. Obviously, the world's aware that I attended the uh, debate last Thursday. And uh, in that debate, he made a specific statement around questions around this from the president. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I uh, almost stood up and screamed liar and walked out because I was shocked um, that after four days or five days that they prepped for this, that the Biden family is taking that position to the world. So he says he has a Navy SEAL guarding his family. He does not live with his yeah. family right now. He's concerned about it. He wants to go away. But when they, when Adam Schiff stood up and said this is Russian disinformation, and when he spends his time fighting for the country and his father and grandfather did the same thing, you cut to his core. I imagine you can identify with that. No, absolutely. I can identify with that. And I can identify with the fact that here's a man that feels that his reputation is being, uh, you know, destroyed, and decimated, and he wants the truth to be out there. And, and again, the thing that hurts me the most is that you have uh, an unobjective media. You have people that are out there trying to squash this story. And furthermore, the fact that Mr. Biden, Vice President Biden, has now gone once again back to his home in Delaware. He's not out and about with six days to go in this election cycle. That tells me something that maybe uh, his handlers and his campaign uh, staff realized that that was a very damning interview last night, and they don't want him to be out. They don't want him to potentially have to face any type of inquiry or questions about it. So, you know, I I still think there are enough uh, people out there left, left to vote that will look at this and say, I don't think we want to have this level of corruption back into uh, our, our you know, highest office in the land. Do you know that the New York Post Twitter handle, uh, the Twitter account is still frozen 14 days later, a major newspaper? Do you know that if you retweeted that, you are still frozen right now? These are, these are people who subscribe to Twitter. Now, these, these uh, tech leaders are going to be on Capitol Hill today, and we'll talk about that later. So this, at the very least, is a story. If that was Don Jr. dealing with the CEC, a energy firm linked to Chinese communists, and he has dealings with Kazakhstan, Poland, Romania, Oman, Ukraine, uh, at least. This is just off the top of my head that I remember him referring to. There would be no other story. There'd be no pandemic. You understand? There would be no election. This is all they'd be talking about. But listen to how they handle this story as it comes out. Cut 22. Sci-fi tale about, you know, Hunter Biden and Martians and Chinese and stuff that no, no, seems to be no real credible source other than Bob Alinsky. The authenticity of the story, the sources, you start to see how that agenda and bias can get really tricky. To these repeated unfounded attacks. All he did was attack Joe Biden on nefarious conspiracy theories. What are they talking <laughs> about? Sci- the first guy was a Republican. Yeah, and think about this. You know, they were the ones that wanted to see the president impeached over a phone call. And and now you have all of this incredible information and evidence, without a doubt. You have voice tapes and, and, and voicemails, and they just want to dismiss it. This is why there is no way Joe Biden wins next week. 
because the American people are just incensed with this progressive socialist leftist media. Colonel, I, I don't know if you're right. The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Twitter, Facebook, all have just iced out this story. It does not yeah. exist on MSNBC and CNN. It does not exist. But the American people know about it. The people down here in Texas know about it because I'm out here on the ground and I hear them talking about it. And they are furious about this and they are furious about the censorship And because they understand if you have so. elected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, then censorship is going to happen to every single one of them. If they could do it to the New York Post, it's going to happen to them. Yeah. Uh, honest Joe. I mean, I talked to one longtime friend of Joe Biden's last night that's in the Senate. And said that, uh, you know, I always thought we had differing views, but I thought he was a good guy. I have a totally different view now. I have a 100% different view. And he was fuming. And that's a guy who thought he knew him. So, uh, Colonel, it's unbelievable. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. All bets are off. If Texas goes down, I'm not even interested in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. So, um, good luck uh, the rest of the way. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, he is... Uh, He is chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. Colonel, best of luck. All the best. We'll chat next week. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. I'll be back a little bit more. And, of course, to give you a chance to sound off, this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Welcome back, everybody. Just to give you an idea of how the networks are handling this Hunter Biden scandal story, then the links to the former vice president who was flat out lying that he had no links at all or no knowledge of the of his son's international business dealings. How is that even plausible? And don't even say plausible deniability. If you have Thanksgiving, a get together, a birthday, a christening, a communion, at one point you got to say, by the way, how are you paying your bills? Oh, really? Kazakhstan. How'd you get there? Oh, really? Oman? You think that would have come up? So how do the networks handling it? 65 seconds by ABC, 9 minutes by NBC, CBS 11 minutes, 41 seconds over the course of a week. Unbelievable. So let's talk about what's happening on Capitol Hill today. Facebook, Twitter, and Google, uh, these companies are going to be not necessarily there in person, but they are testifying through some type of Zoom apparatus about the reason why they should keep their 230 status, which has allowed them to uh, pretty much being prevented from being sued. So Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook says he's expected to tell the committee that the removal of Section 230 would stifle freedom of expression and impede technical innovation. Really? How is that? Well, you're going to get sued by people who say, why'd you post that about me? Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is calling on Congress to update a crucial legal shield for the online industry. Jack Dorsey of Twitter said he should show that lawmakers should show restraint in changing the rules, according to executives' written testimony. So the Google CEO, Sundar Pinchai, 
uh, said he he's also scheduled to testify. He likewise encourages moving with caution. Goes on to saying eroding the foundation of the 230 could collapse how we communicate on the internet, leaving only a small number of giant and well-funded technology companies. My problem is their editorial judgments. They're making them on a daily basis, not for security. When you freeze the president's account 65 times and Joe Biden's account zero. That's a problem. When you ice out the New York Post, that's a problem because they write a story that they have since verified. You don't even go back and say, hey, guys, uh, I had to freeze your account because I didn't know the, uh, ver- I couldn't verify that story. So could you show me? Could you show me where you got this from and verify the emails? And they show them and that should be it. But 14 days in, the lead editorial of the New York Post is they've never been contacted at all. They've never been contacted. But we actually forecasted this, and we revisited this story early when Neil Ferguson of Hoover uh, joined our show. And at which time in 2017, he talked about what big tech wanted to do to stop Trump. Cut 38. Four years ago, it seemed pretty obvious that the big tech companies were were more than just shocked by the outcome of the election. Uh, most people who work in Silicon Valley lean left. There are hardly any exceptions to that. And so there was obviously going to be a rethink uh, about the way they handled the next election. Various uh, big names in tech uh, started openly saying that they were going to take down, uh, quote unquote, hate speech. Now, the thing about the category of hate speech uh, is that it can be expanded uh, just about as far as you like. Uh, and uh, what it tends to mean in Silicon Valley is anything uh, that, that is right uh, of center. Oh, and that's what's happening now. Uh, you got to take it away. Eric, who's on WNDB in Orlando. Eric. New station down here, Brian. And uh, I have a lot of friends still back up in Jersey. The fact that you are on Bob Grant's slot speaks volumes. Trump's going to take New Jersey. The flotillas, just like Long Island, it's amazing. But uh, Alan West is correct about the uh, blatant, the, the blatant hypocrisy. Isn't it amazing that all of a sudden, um, that Me Too doesn't matter anymore? Yep. And 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 whistleblowers don't matter anymore. But while you're on the tech giants, 2016. Facebook sees every keystroke. They predicted Trump to get 300. And t- you could you could find this. It's still out there. Facebook predicted Trump with 310 electoral votes. He got 306. They know. They know everything. Your take, sir. I think you're 100 percent right. And I want to see what they have to say today. They knew they were risking their whole 230 status by doing what they did and it was still worth it. Gary, listening in Houston, KSEV. Gary. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, my, my whole thought on this is that, you know, the assumption the Democrats are making that Biden's going to win, they want him to win so that once he does win, then they're going to be the righteous group to go ahead and impeach him because or have him resign because of all this crap. You mean Kamala yeah. Harris has to take over because Joe Biden's compromised exactly. to the Chinese? Exactly. That would be a pretty amazing to. if it did. I mean, no one really likes him. No one's saying, Joe Biden, this is your time. This is your moment. They loved Obama. They loved Bill Clinton. No one really embraces Joe Biden. Even Kamala Harris doesn't embrace Joe Biden. Elaine, listening in Hudson, Florida. Elaine. Good morning, uh, Brian. Um, I think that what will happen will, is his health, quote-unquote, will fail. And then there will be this outpouring of 
you don't touch this man. This man is ill. You're attacking his family, et cetera, et cetera. They'll build that up, and then Kamala Harris will cap it with a part. Uh, I know. I, uh, I know. It, it's amazing to me that they got this far. If I'm running against him and I'm Julio Castro or I'm Kamala Harris or Tulsi Gabbard, I bring this up. And I say, listen, you can't run. What's your son doing? you got to tell me he's not trading on your name and you couldn't stop him. But they don't do that. And, and on the Republican side, they would blow each other up in a second. Hey, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. What are the podcast? From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade, heard around the country, uh, coming to you from New York and also heard around the world. Uh, we are the Brian Kilmeade Show, a very consequential time as we now have 70 million people have already cast a vote in the 2020 election. And the 2020 election is just six days away. This hour, we're going to be joined by the former governor of Texas, Rick Perry, and energy secretary, and the inimitable Jesse Waters, co-host to The Five, uh, who is uh, part of that huge uh, juggernaut, which is dominated the five o'clock, unless, of course, Joe Biden speaks the ratings tank. So let's get to the big three. Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But the real problem is not that. The problem is that these giant network platforms have become the most powerful publishers in the world, and they're governed by mid-1990s legislation, which was drafted when they didn't mostly exist, when they were little fledgling enterprises. Taking on tech, big tech. Should lawmakers begin the process of taking away the 230 protections and hold Facebook, Google, and Twitter to the standards of the press? I say yes. Hearings beginning now. Number two. But this is Jim Biden, the brother of the potential future president of the United States. It's not a distant cousin. It's not an employee. It's his brother who, in documents, defines himself as a political advisor to his brother, Tony Bobulinski blows up the Biden myth that Joe and his family have nothing to do with Hunter's international hijinks. The former family partner provided proof Joe is lying and America's better pay attention. But no other media outlet outside the New York Post is actually even covering it. Number one. You get out that red wave. Just get out. We have to win this election. My name's Joe Biden and I am Kamala's running mate. You all think I'm kidding, don't you? What is he talking about? Six days until elections are done and almost 70 million have voted. The latest polls as Trump Roadshow attracting huge crowds and now includes his own passionate and personal defender, Melania. She's doing a great job in Pennsylvania. Meanwhile, Joe will be spending this time speaking in um, Delaware. We're going to go inside the numbers in the battleground states. Does Joe think he won already? And I'll bring that to the former governor of Texas who ran against President Trump and knows how indefatigable he can be and also saw him in action for three years as his Treasury Secretary. Uh, Governor, welcome back. Good to be with you, Brian. Thank you. It's uh, a beautiful day down here in Texas. So uh, uh, I'm going to be headed up to Pennsylvania at the uh, end of the week, spending the weekend there uh, in those, uh, particularly up in the in the oil patch and in Pennsylvania. Couldn't be more at stake for the, the people of Pennsylvania in this uh, this election, for sure. 
Yeah, I, I tell people, I said, listen, <laughs> um, you better believe them when they say they're going to do what they're going to do. I, I, remember, remember back in 2016, and, and Hillary Clinton said, uh, there's just a lot of coal miners going to lose their jobs. You remember that, Brian? Sure. Well, let me tell you, that's exactly what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are telling the oil and gas people. There's a whole lot of you going to lose your jobs out there because they are going to ban fracking. I mean, they're, they're going to ban fracking. And I'm talking 19 million jobs lost by 2025. I mean, that's just around the corner. I mean, this would be devastating uh, to our country. So anyway, I, I, I'm counting on just good old common sense folks in Pennsylvania, hardworking blue-collar people who recognize this is a pretty easy choice. We can keep our jobs. We can keep our economy going. Or we can go with Joe Biden and his crazy radical leftist buddies that are going to be pulling his strings and lose millions and millions of jobs, not to mention that your energy cost will go through the roof. The American, American Chamber of Commerce said that you will see household power prices quadruple. Holy mackerel, Brian. I mean, this is just – this is stunning – uh, information for no, people I, I to hear you, but he keeps right denying before. Right, anyway. Mr. Secretary, and uh, you have two titles. But as Secretary of Energy is what you're referring to now, that's your expertise there. Now, we know that, it, by the way, when you talk about natural gas that comes from fracking, and you have oil from fracking, but you get natural gas too, that burns clean. So that should be embraced. So the President of the United States is rolling in clips of Joe Biden saying he's going to ban fracking. And we also have one of his hardiest supporters that plans on having a seat at the table talking about what she plans on pushing Biden to do if he gets the job. A president is only as successful um, as his collaboration is with with Congress. And we, we will have um, a, a cohort of progressives that are very clear about their objectives for wanting the implementation of you know, Medicare for all and a Green New Deal um, and raising the minimum wage and, and not allowing for fracking. Boom. Uh, wow. And how far the left has moved the Democrat Party. Uh, you know, I, I grew up a Democrat, Brian. I, I ran for the state house in Texas three times as a Democrat. Ronald Reagan made it okay for guys like me to join the Republican Party uh, and become a part of the Reagan revolution. And it's just stunning for me to think about how far, how quickly the Democrat Party has gone left over the last four to eight years. And, of course, Joe is going to push back and he's going to say, listen, that's not me. I, I beat the socialist. But the socialist has a lot to do with drawing up the party platform. And the socialist wants to be secretary of labor. Uh, and that is Bernie Sanders, who will also be chairman of the, the budget committee in the Senate if the Democrats get the Senate. So you can't say they're not going to have a voice. Yeah. When they say they're going to do things, believe them. When, when you heard her talking about he's got to deal with Congress, uh, that, that's not a, a suggestion. That is, uh, that is not an idle threat. That's reality. Uh, they're sending the message to Biden and in extension to the rest of the country that if Biden wins, we're going to be driving the show and it's going to be the leftist 
that are in there. You know, when I, when I think about all that, and then the, the, the thing that stuns me more than anything, Brian, is last night uh, watching Tucker Carlson and uh, this Bob Alinsky talk about the absolute scandal that's going on with Hunter Biden and, and uh, the, the, these foreign countries. I mean, it, it, what's, what's most stunning to me is that no other news I know. outlet, I think outside of the Washington Post, is talking about it. Uh, I mean, come on. I mean, if this was one of us, I mean, I remember them dogging me because I sat down and talked to the Ukrainians about how do you uh, how do you get American companies in to help uh, deliver the energy that's in uh, in Ukraine and keep them off of Russian gas. And you would have thought I was the and, and, and you've got his son that's clearly in cahoots with uh, Russian oligarchs, not to mention the Chinese. This is stunning developments here in the last 10 days of this campaign. So the Chinese energy firm that is in business with the Biden family is dealing with Russia, Vladimir Putin, who is dealing with uh, the Ukrainians. So I want you to hear Tony Bobolinsky, uh, and he sat down for an hour with Tucker. So there's a lot here. The sound bites are all riveting. And at the very least, this guy is so credible. I know two people, as I mentioned before, that know him well since college, and they say he bleeds red, white, and blue. Cut 26. The former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. But this sounds like direct involvement in them. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. Obviously, the world's aware that I attended the uh, debate last Thursday. And uh, in that debate, he made a specific statement around questions around this from the president. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I uh, almost stood up and screamed liar and walked out because I was shocked um, that after four days or five days that they prepped for this, that the Biden family is taking that position to the world. They met with him twice. They got countless emails and text messages. It's indisputable proof that they're in bed with the family. What they don't have is a, is a written trail to Joe, but they have references to Joe as chairman and big guy. And all of a sudden, Jim Biden was getting $10 million from the Chinese energy firm linked to the Chinese government. And all of a sudden, he gets $20 million. Where did the $20 million come from, and where is it now? Yeah, yeah. Here's, Brian, the media was historically supposed to be the arbiter out there, if you will, the deliverer of of factual information. And it seems that so many uh, of the media now are more interested in impacting this election in the way they want it to go rather than reporting factual information, or at least asking the hard questions. Always seemed to me like they didn't have a hard time asking anybody in the, in the uh, um, Trump cabinet yeah. Yeah. hard questions. And uh, they, need to, they need to really go look in the mirror, reflect on what their professional oath uh, is to deliver truth uh, to the American people, because the vast majority of them at this particular point in time are really missing that. And they're going to have to look at themselves. Maybe they become so hardened and so callous and so cold that they don't care anymore. But at some point in time, at the end of their careers, as they look back on it, there's going to be a, 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 a having to deal with this moment 
and um, I, I hope that they will uh, recognize what their professional duties are. So let's just talk about the election real quick. The president of the United States uh, is, is evidently is in a dogfight for Texas. I'll just give you some of the polls say. The New York Times-Siena poll has Trump just up four. Quinnipiac has, it, Quinnipiac has it a tie. The Dallas Morning News has Biden up three. Rasmussen has Trump up seven. What's going on in Texas? The same media outlets that have said that Texas is going to go back and be a blue state for 20 years. I, I don't want to go through election cycle by election cycle, but uh, in 2002, they said it. 06, they said it. 2010, they said it. And, you know, Texas still has no statewide elected Democrats. And I can assure you one thing on the fourth day of November, Texas will still have no statewide elected um, Democrats and Donald Trump will have carried Texas. You know, I hope they roll in here and spend a bunch of money in the last uh, five days because it'll just be money that uh, is being poured down a rat hole. All right, uh, Governor Perry, last question to you. You know, the president's uh, nonstop three, four events a day. Then he's swearing in his uh, uh, associate justice and going back of the campaign trail again. Last night he was in Nebraska about 10 o'clock at night, freezing. It was about 25 degrees. Place was packed. Having said all that, he is. Uh, I have not seen a poll that has him in front, but closing in in Pennsylvania. He's in basically a flat-footed tie in Florida. He does not seem as always close in Michigan. He's down 17, according to the Washington Post. He's down six in Michigan. You know what he was up against in 2016. Does this feel similar? Uh, actually, this feels better because I, I, I know who this guy is now from the standpoint of his, uh, his stamina. Uh, and I've watched now for four years his ability to turn out a crowd. I know how hard this is to do. I mean, in 2004, I saw George W. Bush get 4,400 people in the Moody Coliseum in Dallas, and I thought, wow, what an incredible crowd, 4,400 people here. We had Toby Keith playing. I mean, that'll, it, Donald Trump. And the excitement that you see, whether he's there or not, I mean, look at the video, Brian, of what we saw in Hollywood and a Trump parade there. I mean, these are just fascinating uh, examples of the enthusiasm for this guy. And the best I can tell, I mean, if Joe Biden had to turn a thousand people out uh, to get to heaven, man, it would be uh, it might be kind of tough. <laughs> I know what you're saying. You say he's being responsible, and a lot of people think he's uh, uh, yeah, he's no right. momentum, and he's he's just not working hard. You can't tell me he's working hard, yeah. but uh, the maybe he knows something we don't. Uh, Governor Rick Perry, Secretary of Energy Rick Perry, good luck in Pennsylvania with the President of the United States, because yeah. if he can win there, um, all bets are off uh, for the Midwest. Yes, sir, and I think he'll do f quite well in Pennsylvania. Uh, Governor, always great to talk to you. Thank you. Yes, sir. God bless you, Brian Sloan. Back at you. one 408 7669 We're watching Big Ted testifying right now in a ridiculous beard. Uh, the, uh, the CEO of uh, Twitter is talking now and trying to make sense of freezing the New York Post account and everything else to try to keep their 230 status. We'll monitor that. Jesse Waters at the bottom of the hour from the 5, and of course you, one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show, six days to Election Day. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. 
Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know, now with them, can't watch anything else turn on. COVID, 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 COVID. And what, what's his closing argument? That people are too focused on COVID. He said this at one of his rallies. COVID, 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 he's complaining. He's jealous of COVID's media coverage. If he had been focused on COVID from the beginning, cases wouldn't be reaching new record highs across the country this week. I'm sure that's not the case. I, look at Italy. Uh, what is he? They're taking down Trump's policies. Look at France. They taking down Trump's policies. The UK. You blame Donald Trump for the UK. You blame him for Spain. You blame him for Poland. You blame him for Russia. They're all going the same thing. So if he did everything, what? What is Anthony Fauci saying that he's not doing? Could he push masks more? Okay. So the president now is, wants to tell 50 states everyone put up a mask, which is unconstitutional. He's telling everyone now, and people are pretty much making their own judgments now. But, of course, Barack Obama knows everything. Uh, in Orlando, Florida, where President Obama was yesterday addressing a bunch of cars, Oscar, listen on WDBO. Oscar. Hi, Brian. Love, love your show. Thank you. Hey, I'm, I'm, in Orla- I'm in Orlando. Yep. And I, see, I, see, I was shot this morning when I, when I wake up. I look at the show last night with Tucker Carlson. Yes. And and that show blew my mind. I was disgusted. I thought um, Biden was a stand-up guy, but he he's nothing but a, a depadant. You know what I mean? What I'm saying, my son got up this morning, and he told me, he said, Dad, we're going to vote. I said, what do you mean? And my son and my wife vote for Hillary Clinton last night. And they were leading to vote for Biden this time. So I, I told him, what changed your mind? He said, Dad, what I saw last night, and he's a professor. I'm always a gemologist. What they saw last night, they could not believe what they saw when this guy. This guy was honest. He was just red, white, and blue. Right Tony Bobolinsky. Yeah, exactly. He didn't hold, he didn't hold no bars. He, didn't, he was a Democrat in the first place. He says, I've only this donated to two, has, two candidates, and both were Democrats. And he have nothing, nothing against nobody, but he just he speak the truth. So Oscar, truth it was a game changer for your family, not for you, but it was for your for your son. He, it's a game changer. It is a game changer, uh, and they better watch. Uh, Florida gonna go big time for for, for Trump. The, I see my neighbor didn't vote for a Republican for twenty eight years, and he voted for Biden last Monday. Um, not Biden for Trump last Monday. Gotcha. Hey, I appreciate it. I love these anecdotal stories because it makes me think. I know Fox has a big audience, but we don't have 50 million people. It's not the last episode of MASH. I mean, Tucker's going to get a huge rating. Let's say he's got a huge rating of six. Let's say he gets an eight. So that's roughly 10 million people. Now, it could change some minds, but it's not like every network and every newspaper is covering a story and he just has a different point of view. He's exposing a story and no one's picking it up. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News.
The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And unlike Biden, who's made a fortune in politics, what a fortune. The press is not allowed to write about that, though. But Biden made a fortune. You know what? This has cost me billions of dollars. And you know, I could not be happier because we have done things that nobody else could have done in the first three and a half years. Well, the president of the United States in in Wisconsin finished up in Nebraska last night. Uh, He is optimistic, although the Washington Post says he's trailing by 17 in Wisconsin. Is that even possible? And by about four in Michigan, the real career average has the president out in front in Florida by 0.4 percent and heading up. It also has uh, it also has him closing in in Pennsylvania. So this is going to be one interesting uh, flying finish. The one thing is pretty clear. Joe Biden feels no urgency to do any events today. He's going to be in Delaware talking about health care. That should be that should be riveting. Hopefully it will not be when the five is on, because that's when Jesse Waters really gets a chance to shine and carries the other four along the way. He is co-host <laughs> of the five. He is the host of, of the Waters World uh, show at eight o'clock, all based on a true story. Jesse, welcome back. My back hurts from carrying everybody on the five, but I'm going to make it through. I'm just saying when no one else has the courage to say. <laughs> Well, you have a lot of courage. Thank you. uh, Next time, next time Juan sees you, he's probably going to slap you silly. Well, I don't think he. We don't even see. I don't even see people anymore. I I just, I, I see (laughs) the naked cowboy. About that, Brian. Right. I, I see the naked cowboy walking over to Penn Station. That's about it. Uh, Something about a man in briefs. So, so Jesse, last night did you watch uh, Tucker's show? I did. Your thoughts, before we play some cuts and get people into Tony Kovalinsky, your thoughts about what was thoroughly revealed to the American public last night? Well, that Joe Biden was involved in foreign business dealings with his family. He lied about that. And he met with Tony twice. So my question for Joe Biden, if I were a reporter, have you ever met Tony? Now, do you think he can get a week Without being asked that question, he might be able to skate a whole week without being asked the question, have you ever met Tony? Uh, I mean, this guy basically a whistleblower. Media loves whistleblowers, except when they blow whistles on the Democrats. You know, these financial stories are a little complicated. Sex is usually a better scandal. But, um, you know, it's not that difficult to understand if you break it down. The Chinese kicked $10 million to the Biden family. Five million of it was a loan to the Bidens, and another five million was to a holding company. So they haven't really denied any of these allegations. Not one single allegation has been denied. They just say Russia disinformation. You know, and it looks like the media is kind of an accessory to this crime because they're just covering it up. Here's a little what I think is some of the most explosive things that Tony said last night. Um, I'm a kind person, and um, I'm thinking about the Biden family. Like, how are they doing this? I know Joe decided not to run in 2016, but what if he ran in the future? Aren't they taking political risk or headline risk? And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. Wow, that's a in-your-face, America. Uh, you can ask me. Uh, I'm not going to. And remember, what, so one of those emails said, don't ever write Joe's name down. Everything should be done with him uh, face-to-face. So the American public, are they going to get wind of this? I mean, I would think the Wall Street Journal, if not today and I thought today, tomorrow, that's got to be on the front page. 
Well, the Wall Street Journal editor, I think it was on your show possibly, said that this is a huge corruption scandal right now, and there's no way the media can't report on it. And it doesn't get more brazen than this from what the Biden family was doing. But I don't think the media can touch it because if they touch it, Biden's toast and they can't destroy their guy. But if they if they continue to cover up, then the media's toast. So either way they cut it, they're cornered. Um, and they're just hoping they can suppress it until Biden wins. He may not win. Um, in that case, both their credibility and Biden's toast. But let's just say he does win, Brian. I mean, he could get impeached over something like this. You, you don't. You don't think he, you think he can withstand a, a basic uh, forensic accounting of his family's business dealings? He's There's not no gonna... way he could survive this. And then Kamala takes over. That's the plan, anyway. Well, Jesse, here's the thing. They say tradition says if, if it's going to be a Democratic president, uh, it's going to be a Democratic Senate. So no one's impeaching him and certainly not going to generate from the House. So that, it'll just stop. There won't be an investigation there. But listen to how well, the media— What you do is, so you, you basically—let's just game plan this out. Let's just say Biden wins. For, let's just say, for sake of argument, that the Democrats have the House and the Democrats have the Senate. I don't think they're going to take the Senate, but let's just say. You have then Donald Trump maybe in the lame duck. You have some special counsel appointed. You have someone that start investigating this, you, either a, a prosecutor or even a special counsel. And then the Republicans take the House in the midterms. And then you can start impeachment hearings. But either way, Joe Biden, if he wins, is going to have to shut down some sort of independent investigation, or he's going to have to block any subpoenas in the Senate if the Republicans keep the Senate. So this this scandal, whether Biden wins or not, is not going away. Here's a little of how the press is handling. Cut 22. The sci-fi tale about, you know, Hunter Biden and Martians and Chinese and stuff that no, no, it seems to be no real credible source other than Bob Alinsky. The authenticity of the story, the sources, you start to see how that agenda and bias can get really tricky. These repeated unfounded attacks. All he did was attack Joe Biden on nefarious conspiracy theories. I mean, they're not even ba- I mean, your, your spin, your opinion's not based at all about what Tony Bob Alinsky said. So what do you mean conspiracy theories? He's just talking about what he witnessed. Right. So that's interesting. You have a guy, I I believe he had a top secret clearance from the Navy and commanded a nuclear submarine. Um, You know, they they really gave a lot of credence to, was it Colonel Vindman? Because he wore a uniform. They believed anything out of Vindman's mouth. And Vindman didn't witness 5% of the corruption that Bobolinsky witnessed here. And, and remember, Vindman didn't have any hard evidence. This guy's coming with uh, bank records. He's coming with a fully capitalized holding company receipts. He's coming with phone call recordings. He's coming with emails, text messages. And this guy has everything. And remember, Brian, it's not just like he talked to Tucker here. He talked to the FBI under penalty of perjury. That what he's saying is true. You know, if he's lying to the FBI about this, he goes to prison. <laughs> this guy's about as credible as you can get. What is the conspiracy theory? Uh, they haven't said it. They just like to throw those words around. So here's what Tony went on to say uh, to Tucker. Cut 27. 
And once again, I'm irrelevant in this discussion. I just was brought in to run this company and have uh, been exposed to all of this fact. And I believe the American people should see this fact. I would have much preferred the Biden family go on record and define these facts for the American people and the globe versus me sitting here uh, having a discussion with you on it. So, I mean, to me, he wants to disappear. That's it. But meanwhile, he's got Navy SEALs watching his house. and He's living separate from his family for security reasons. You know, the Biden family could easily just come out and say the computer was hacked and these emails are forgeries. And I've never met Tony Bobulinski. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you listen if you were being framed for a massive Russian election year disinformation (laughs) hacking campaign? Wouldn't you come out and say, I'm going to slap Putin silly with sanctions? Wouldn't you come out and go to the microphone and say, this is all a lie. This guy's a scam artist. These emails aren't real. And I would point to this evidence and this evidence to say, this is why this is not real. They don't even have an alibi. They are not even saying this specifically did not happen. Do you know why, Brian? Because they can't. Because it did. Jesse, this is what's so maddening is the first time in my life ever I've seen people walk away from a story. Remember, the New York Times are the one that found out about Drudge pushed it. But the ones who really pushed the Lewinsky story, the New York Times picked it up and ran with it. I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they were the first ones to talk about Hillary's emails as well. They started writing about that story. And I know the Clintons were not happy about it, but they would run with the story. I know clearly they wanted Clintons to win, but they would still write the story. Okay, that's a great point. Uh, I was actually going to make that point on the five tonight. I was going to say this. In 2016, the media actually covered the Clinton campaign. You know, they covered the emails. They covered the deplorable comments. They covered what came out in WikiLeaks. They actually covered the campaign. Oh, this is the campaign strategy. There's personnel disputes. Here are the tactics that they're using. They're not even covering the Biden campaign. You, have you ever heard an no. in-depth report about the Biden campaign, strategy, tactics, Nothing. policy disputes, personnel disputes? You don't even hear about that. They're not even covering his gaps when he says the other day that we have the largest voter fraud operation in U.S. presidential history. <laughs> They're not even covering his gaps when it comes to oil or the fracking flip-flop. And they're completely not covering the scandal because I think what happened was – the media a little bit blames themselves for what happened in Hillary Clinton's case in 2016. They say we were too tough on Hillary. Can you believe that? The media says we were too tough on Hillary with her emails. We gave too much credence to the WikiLeaks stuff. We were, you know, too critical of what she said about the deplorables. And and they're kind of taking responsibility, partially at least, to her loss. So they're saying this time in 2020. We're not even going to give any airtime to a, a tiny particle of negative coverage for Joe Biden. We're going to go all in against Donald Trump. And they've made a conscious decision to do that. And that has to be one of the most corrupt decisions the media has ever made in my lifetime covering politics. Now, I'm going to play a cut from Hunter Biden. You might have seen this leaked audio. It was out yesterday. I'm sure you did. But the person that unwound it with all the players, it's in the National Review, and Andy McCarthy unwinds exactly what all this means. But here is candid Hunter Biden talking about the complexity of these deals, the people he's involved with. And believe me, 
Uh, unwinding this is not easy. Andy did it for us on the air last hour and writing a column about it. But just listen, cut 35. I get calls from my father to tell me that the New York Times is calling, but my old partner, Eric, who literally has done me harm for I don't know how long, is the one taking the calls because my father will not stop sending the calls to Eric. I have another New York Times reporter calling about my representation of the, literally, Dr. Patrick Ko, the spy chief of China, who started the company that my partner, who was worth $323 billion, found it, and is now missing. And I am receiving calls from the Southern District of New York, from the U.S. Attorney himself. My best friend in business, Devin, has named me as a witness without telling me. In a criminal case, and my father, without telling me. I thought I had problems. Do you believe how convoluted and what a mess this guy's life is? You know, and this is just a small peek into the world of the Biden family corruption. Just think, if we if we only know this, what Bubulinski's talking about on one China deal, imagine what we don't know about Romania and Kazakhstan and the Moscow mayor. Oh my. I don't know, Brian, but if this if the parties were reversed and this had come out and I were the FBI, you know what you do? You take this and you open up a counterintelligence investigation and you wiretap the Biden campaign for colluding with China. <laughs> because this is basically what's going on here. He's in business with the spy chief of China. Yes. And now we're hearing reports that they had Patrick Go or whatever his name is oh. um, under investigation by the FBI. I mean, the, this guy's now in prison. We have multiple. We have three people now. Two in prison and one awaiting sentencing that were involved in the Biden family business. Devin Archer, who Biden, you know, said I never knew anything about, actually had his picture taken on the golf course with, is awaiting sentencing. And he's calling Joe Biden and Hunter Biden to be criminal witnesses in, in a trial and <laughs> sentencing. I mean, this is crazy stuff here. And, and from what we heard last night about Bobulinski, there was talk about this deal with China. The guy went over to Moscow and was floating the idea that this Chinese energy company was thinking about buying a stake in the Russia state-owned uh, energy company, yeah. Rosfed. I mean, so you have the Russians, you have the Chinese, and you have the Bidens all doing business. And, and, and the media doesn't want to have anything to do with it. You know what, Jesse, brilliantly uh, put it in perspective. I was not able to do that. You did. Uh, so the, all these players in the names, it gets people confused. But in the end, all you know is when Joe Biden said, I know nothing about my son's business, not only does he know, he's involved. Not saying he's making decisions, but he's profiting. If, if, if Jesse Waters can understand it, anybody can understand Right. And usually we need Dana to use that analogy. But you used it on yourself <laughs> at least eight hours before you have to work. Uh, Jesse, thanks so much. An explosive story that only we're covering. Thanks, Brian. Go get him. Jesse Waters. Watch him Saturday at 8 uh, and watch him on the 5 every single day. Uh, listen, we, have, we threw a lot at you. one 408 I'll go from Canada to New York to California. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. Tony, listen to WDBO in Claremont, Florida. Hey, Tony. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, Brian, I just, um, you know, it upsets me when um, I get into conversations with my neighbors about uh, the coronavirus and the whole bit and and how Trump is to blame for it. But I got to tell you, and uh, Biden has gone on record saying that he basically would do the same exact things that Donald Trump is doing, except that he would lock us down and or wear a mask 24 hours a day. I don't want to live under that type of dictatorship. And Tony, we're living in New York. We're living uh, in New nothing. York. I, I was born in New York. I'm living in Florida. Thank God we have a Governor DeSantis who's allowed us to live our life. But I couldn't imagine living under uh, under the, the way he wants to and the way the Como is having us live. I hear you. Uh, it's unbelievable, Tony. Gary, W-N-E-B in Daytona. Hey, Gary. Hi. I, hey, Brian. I found it amazing. The FBI can investigate things as fast as they choose. Uh, when when Paul Manafort came up, I mean, they put together 28,000 documents, subpoenas, and warrants in a matter of six months, and then they sat on this laptop. So I, I believe they, they can do investigation just as quick as they want. And the other thing, it's pretty rich of Joe Biden to bring up the uh, with uh, General Flynn the FARA registration, you know, and maybe we can hook him on that at the beginning when he's got his family doing the same thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, we'll get him on that. Or, yeah, we'll get him on that, uh, the act that nobody take, that nobody uh, ever does for somebody who's exchanging foreign, uh, foreign information with another country, yet this guy doesn't register at all. And Manafort's going to be in prison for 20 years unless Trump steps in. Uh, just uh, at least cover it. Maybe you decide it's not important. You'd ra- rather have Joe Biden. But you should know about this. Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, around the world. Uh, we are the one-stop shopping for everything to 2020 uh, related and beyond. Uh, we're also going to talk to Chris Starwalt, go inside the numbers on this campaign, and Pam Bondi sitting by. She is a, a supporter of President Trump. Uh, she's on the Trump team, no doubt about it. And if the president's going to be successful, he's got to win Florida. And she was the Attorney General of Florida, and she knows that state. The president is surging there, no question. He seems, if you look at the Washington Post poll, suffering in Wisconsin, but doing better in Michigan and coming on strong in Pennsylvania. The big worry now, Arizona. Will the president be able to uh, to grind that out and keep that in the Republican column? So much going on. And there's a huge interview last night with Tucker Carlson that really should be sending ripples throughout the Biden campaign, which is mysteriously silent today. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. But the real problem is not that. The problem is that these giant network platforms have become the most powerful publishers in the world, and they're governed by mid-1990s legislation, which was drafted when they didn't mostly exist, when they were little fledgling enterprises. Taking on tech, big tech. Should lawmakers begin the process of taking down the 230 protections? That is happening right now. The most powerful people in the world speaking to a Senate committee will bring you some highlights from Twitter, from Google, from Facebook. Number two. But this is Jim Biden, the brother of the potential future president of the United States. It's not a distant cousin. It's not an employee. It's his brother who, in documents, defines himself as a political advisor to his brother. Tony Bobulinski blows up the Biden myth that Joe and his family have nothing to do with Hunter's international hijinks. The former family partner provided proof Joe is lying and America better pay attention. I am, you will too. Number one. You get out that red wave, just get out. We have to win this election. My name's Joe Biden and I am Kamala's running mate. You all think I'm kidding, don't you? Not really. Uh, Six days until elections are done and almost 70 million have already voted. The latest polls have uh, Trump's roadshow attracting huge crowds and now includes the most passionate defender he has, Melania Trump. Meanwhile, uh, Joe will be spending today, let me see, I have it here, in Delaware talking about health care. Unbelievable. So last night, Tony uh, Bobulinski sat down with Tucker Carlson for the first time since his press conference prior to the debate the other night. We did not know him, but you should know this. He spent four years in the military. He was lieutenant doing very important stuff. He also spent a lot of time in international business where he had a lot of success. So successful, the Bidens came out and after him. They recruited him to be the CEO of this international fund that they were going to be raising money in. The first stop was this China executive, this energy executive from CEC. Linked to the Chinese Chinese Communist government, of course, most major corporations are. They're one of the biggest in the world. And the first time they met, it turns out that Hunter was yelling at this Chinese executive, you should have paid us already. Where's my $20 million? Tony Bobulinski would later be set up with the president, the vice president twice, who's now running for president after he was out of office. But communications and this business was set up in 2015 while he was still in office. And then... When Tony was blown up uh, by Adam Schiff when they said this is nothing but Russian disinformation, that was a turning point. He gave Adam Schiff, through an intermediary, 24 hours to retract the statement. Then he didn't. He said, if you don't, I am coming forward with the true story. They didn't. So he came forward with the true story. Joining us now to discuss that, and we'll play some of it for you now, Pam Bondi, former attorney general in Florida. And uh, now she's with the Women for Trump bus tour. Hey, Pam. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm driving all over North Carolina today. Uh, very valuable state. The president coming up pretty strong on that. Last time he had to come back to take it, and I'm sure he wants that outcome again. First That's up, from right. a legal perspective, what strikes yeah. you about the what Tony uh, Bobulinski uh, uh, let us know about last night? Well, it's so serious. Well, the plausible deniability that Jim Biden said to Tony Bobulinski – we need this is the brother of the president for your listeners said to Tony Bobulinski that the president needs plausible deniability. That's unbelievable. And Tony Bobulinski is completely credible. We've seen text messages now. You were great on Fox and Friends this morning, by Thank the way, you. talking about it. We've seen text messages now. And these aren't just from Tony Bobulinski. They are 
to Tony Bobulinski from Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, Jim Biden, all these characters who are involved in this. And they are saying in these text messages that the big guy, the big guy is the vice president of the United States, Joe Biden. And 10 was being held for the big guy, and they are saying it's meaning $10 million. Now, legally, why this is so not only troubling but should be frightening for the American people is that this could compromise our national security. You know, this guy was Vice President Brian of the United States of America, and we saw how it was compromised already with Ukraine. Hunter Biden's on a board over in Ukraine. We keep going back to Ukraine. It's so important because Biden, Joe Biden, withheld 10 threatened to withheld withhold $10 billion in loan guarantees, $10 billion, unless the prosecutor investigating his son's company was fired. I mean, you're playing with the world when you're doing that. And it's unbelievable. Everything they did in China, saying he had no contact with his son in China on business dealings, not true, because there's a picture of him meeting with the guy Hunter made millions of dollars off of in a hotel while Hunter flew there on Air Force Two while Joe Biden was vice president. Now we're getting even more, learning more. I mean, Brian, how many countries were out there? Kazakhstan. I mean, there were so Poland, many countries. Oman, Poland, Romania. Yeah. Oh, Oman. Yep, Romania. On and on and on. All these countries, these guys were raking in millions. Could you imagine what would happen if that guy was president of the United States? Or if Donald Trump Jr. was doing it, there would be a media investigation. There would be oh. no other story in the world if Eric had joined oh. him. And they say, well, there was no link to the president because of plausible deniability. We've seen so much less occupy us for so much longer. Here's Tony right. describing on Tucker the meeting that they were urging to be set up with the former vice president. Cut 23. Across those days in uh, Los Angeles in May of 2017 that you're referencing, I met uh, with Hunter Biden uh, multiple times at the Chateau Marmont and, um, and Rob Walker. And uh, the discussion was they wanted me to sit down with their father just to meet him and uh, at a high level discuss the Biden family and how they approach things. And the Biden family, and they and when they would meet prior, prior to the Milken conference, which he said I had no pass to get into, they got me a pass to this prestigious conference with the most powerful people in the world, uh, in in Los Angeles. They did, and they met at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yeah, and you know, doing a really good job, Brian, corroborating this as well. Because what did they find? A picture of Joe Biden in the Beverly Hills Hotel. A photograph of him there speaking right when Tony Bobulinski said, Bobulinski said that he met with, that's where he met with Joe Biden in the Beverly Hills Hotel. Confer- There's so much, as a prosecutor, there is so much corroboration around Lieutenant Bobulinski. It's, it's really crazy that more people aren't talking about that or caring about this because, again, take out the money laundering, take out the wire fraud, take out all these potential crimes. This is national security of our country. So that is uh, what's going on there. We're going to see the level of interest. Now, as, as, as Senator Cruz said last night to Axios, to Jonathan Swan, he said, listen, if the president's going to focus just on Hunter Biden and how it links to Joe Biden, he's going to lose. He's got to focus on things that matter, especially, especially how it relates in the battleground states. President Obama taking aim in Florida yesterday at the president cut five. And well. What's his closing argument? That people are too focused on COVID. He said this at one of his rallies. COVID, 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 he's complaining. 
He's jealous of COVID's media coverage. If he had been focused on COVID from the beginning, cases wouldn't be reaching new record highs across the country this week. Your thoughts about the former president? Well, the former president, even by the most liberal media's reporting, had about 200, they're saying about 225 cars out there. It was a drive-in rally. Yes. About 225. Well, Brian, I was with Ivanka, the president's daughter, yesterday in Sarasota. She had 2,500 people waiting in line. Go to at Pambondi and look at that video, the line of people waiting in 80-degree weather to get in to see the president's daughter. So I don't think the former president is making much of an impact at all. Our numbers in Florida are looking great. We are ahead. Brian, yesterday alone, here's a good stat for you. Yesterday alone, 51,000 Republicans voted. That's double what it was in 2016 on yeah, that day. It's a brand new calculus. So, I think the Florida has the second biggest turnout or the third biggest turnout right after Texas and California of early voters. So the thing that has to be done, if you believe the stats, even if they're off a little bit, it's probably true that suburban women seem to be the ones that are hardest to convince, that they seem let down by the president's tone and some with the coronavirus, uh, the way it was handled. Now, as you part of the caravan, Women for Trump, with with Lara Trump and uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle and others, what's your message to those women? Well, Ann Katrina Pearson and Mercedes Schlaff and Diamond and Silk, and today Ronna McDaniel is going to be with us. Um, and the, our message to the women is easy. You know, I think I think it's insulting for women when you say, not you, when people say, oh, they don't care about the economy, women care about the economy just as much as men. Women have small businesses. Women have kids in school. Women want to get their kids back to school. Women care about keeping their neighborhoods safe. And no one can dispute the fact that Joe Biden will hurt our police, hurt our law enforcement, hurt our first responders. He can say he's going to reimagine them all day long. Brian, what he's doing is defunding them. Yeah, imagine what a Biden presidency would look like for moms trying to take their kids to the park when there are no police officers around if you need them. You know, social workers can't do that job in the middle of the night if you have a child choking and need someone on the scene within minutes. So women get that and they get what President Trump has done for the economy. And look at everything Ivanka Trump has done with opportunities and for working mothers, everything that they've done. And, you know, female unemployment before this COVID pandemic hit us was at unemployment was at an all-time low. Employment was at an all-time high for women, and it's coming back stronger than ever. So women care about all those issues, and I firmly believe they are getting out and voting for Donald Trump. I was in the rally with him at the Villages. I've been in rallies with him. I'm going to be with him tomorrow in Tampa. There are just as many, Brian, or more women there as men. Yeah, I guess we're going to find out. And I'll tell you what, if the polls are wrong and the president's able to pull this out uh, and women do vote for him, I think these these pollsters just got to go into another line of work because never before have they been been more in concert than they are through this run up to this election. Uh, Pam Bondi, thanks so much. Good luck on the tour. Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye. You, you got it. When we come back, uh, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Then we open it up with Chris Starwell, political letter for Fox News. We talk about our coverage six days away and what we plan and what we likely will know on November 3rd. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Section 230 is the most important law protecting internet speech. And removing Section 230 will remove speech from the Internet. Section 230 gave Internet services two important tools. The first provides immunity from liability for users' content. The second provides Good Samaritan protections for content moderation and removal, even of constitutionally protected speech, as long as it's done in good faith. That concept of good faith is what's being challenged by many of you today. Some of you don't trust we're acting in good faith. That's the problem I want to focus on solving. Yeah, good faith is not flying. Uh, when you f- freeze the president's count 70 times and don't freeze Joe Biden's count anytime, that's a bit of an issue. When you lock out the New York Post story and don't even try to follow up to verify and spend 14 days in counting, those are a little bit of an issue. When you start doing this in the middle of a campaign in the backstretch when it matters most, that's a little bit of an issue. That was Jack Dorsey at Twitter. I mean, my goodness, I cannot see where I'm doing this right now. Uh, and I'm hearing it's pretty dry between the Google CEO and the uh, Pinchow and you have uh, Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg. I'm not sure exactly what they're saying, but it, let's just look what they're doing. Why are they getting protections that the New York Times or Fox News doesn't get? I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, so we'll take your calls at one 408 7669 Michael listening in Georgia. Michael, you're on. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. The mainstream media has basically become Pravda from the old Soviet Union. They are the activist propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, totally ignoring the truth. And you, you have just been killing this story. Good job. Thank you so much. Uh, Bill Crawford just emailed me, and he's, uh, you go to BrianKillMe.com. It goes right through. It says, if Hunter took the money from his dad from Ukraine or China, where did he put it? Don't we have 25 years of Joe Biden's tax returns or better yet, Hunter's tax returns? Can we see his assets there? If 10 million is not there, where is Hunter storing for his dad? Uh, Thanks for investigating. And when the FBI picked up the laptop in December 2019, where is it? That's my question. William was on WMNC in South Bend. William. Hey, Brian, thanks for taking the call. Always enjoy uh, watching you in the morning and listening to your broadcast. Appreciate it. Uh, you know what, Brian? I'm I'm really, like, um, over my head with this stuff. I am just so fed up with hearing all this stuff from Clinton starting off to the investigation for three years against Trump and everybody that they could do. I, guess, I think there was a guy named Brian that called in earlier that talked about um, how many char- charges they could get against all these people immediately that was um, in Trump's uh, uh, regime, if you will. Um, and then nothing ever happens. I mean, is, is he ever going to do anything when we look at, at – um, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting. Uh, if you, so if you, uh, no, I know I hear you. About, so you want to know yeah. what's going to happen with the Durham report, and then where we go from there? There could be indictments handed over, but I believe only if Trump wins. Number two, Mike Flynn. Can we get him out of purgatory? What the heck did he do, especially in light of the Horowitz report and other things that have come to surface? That idiot judge just continues to put him in hyperspace and study it because he wants to wait this thing out till the election. That's why Donald Trump is so angry. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to have Barr back for a second term because he hasn't pushed Durham to come forward with his findings. 
So I understand the frustration. That's probably the most common thing I get. When are people going to have to pay the price for the actions that they know are wrong? Paul, listening in Massachusetts. Hey, Paul. Good morning, Brad. Great to hear you. The war in Westfield is going well. And, Brad, this is the most important emphasis. We have to understand that Joe Biden has a history. And Joe Biden's history began in Delaware. We had a vote to integrate busing. And in front of the people, he said, I'm for it. And then he secretly voted against it. Several years ago, women came up for sovereignty over their body for medical control. And he blocked them from testifying, Brian. And then, of course, most recently, July 19, 2019, he said, I will not allow fracking. Several months later, he said, no new fracking. And three months ago, he said, frack away. We have a gentleman from day one who is consistently saying what the people want to hear and doing what he's told behind closed doors. This is a pivotal key moment in American politics. Focus on the facts, not fabricated stories. I hear you. And I will say one thing about the president. Whether it's building a wall, whether it's uh, cracking down on uh, refugees coming in, whatever he wants to do with the economic plan, with the tax reform, he says it, he goes for it, he tweets about it, he tells you everything he's thinking. Joe Biden won't even tell us what he's going to do with a branch of government, the judiciary branch, and that he invested overseas. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Joe Biden, he and his running mate Kamala Harris, expanding the map a little bit. Biden uh, in Georgia yesterday. He's going to Iowa this week as well. Another state the president won pretty handily in 2016. Uh, Kamala Harris is heading to Texas. Uh, And I do think that yesterday's move did raise, spark some concern among Democrats that are, are, is Biden getting ahead of his over his skis here? Is this Hillary Clinton going to Arizona in the final week of 2016 instead of staying in the upper Midwest? But that Biden camp feels confident. They feel like they can do this. They can make the Trump team play defense and that they have the ability to expand their map. And they wanted to lean into the FDR symbolism of how big this Biden presidency would have to be. Right. And how warm the springs are here. It's 80 degrees. Uh, White House reporter for AP, Jonathan Lemire, weighing in on expanding the map and the wisdom of doing that with six days left rather than securing the map. Is that a good move? Historically, let's bring in a guy that knows a lot about history. Chris Tyrewell, political editor for Fox News. And he also does the halftime report at halftime of the day. Uh, Chris, welcome back. What do you think about this Biden strategy? Let's go to Texas. Let's go to Georgia. Well, I mean, when you're up, you can afford to you can afford uh, to do a little bit of uh, uh, tripsickery. Um, And uh, the other thing I would just point out. So where a candidate goes and where they have rallies and what they do is probably overstated in terms of the actual effect that it has on outcomes, uh, Biden being in Georgia, yeah, it got you know got him some headlines, uh, you know, in the Augusta newspaper and got attention around there. But for a suburban Atlanta, for the voters who are going to decide the race, I don't know that it makes that much difference. Um, so, I, I want to be careful not to overstate it. On the other hand, um, what you want to do is look confident. Biden has basically, you know, he was in Pennsylvania. He's in Pennsylvania all the time. He goes to Pennsylvania all the time. Both campaigns are always in Pennsylvania. 
But I don't I just I don't want to make too big a deal out of it because I don't know that it moves that many votes. Uh, whether you appear or not. What about in Trump's case? The the ripple effect when it be as he comes and the ripple effect after he leaves uh, the passion, which he obviously uh, engenders in his appearances and throughout the time. I mean, in Wisconsin in particular, they were saying John Roberts reported the other day that these people were waiting for hours in 30 degree temperatures for Trump to show up. And it was raining. I you know, in 2016. I did not. I did not until later in the process did not understand what Trump's rallies really said about the absolute devotion, right? Near religious devotion of his supporters that they that the, the people who love him just are, are 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 worshipful of him and will wait hours. You know, you saw people stuck out in the cold in Nebraska for hours just to be there to be in the presence. And that that was something that I was sort of dismissive of about Obama when he would get these huge crowds and do this stuff. And I was like, ah. and I was a little dismissive of it with Trump because. But over time, you say, gosh, this is a, what a phenomenon that you have a core group of supporters who will come out and do this for you. Fortunately for Trump, it cuts the other way to this time, which is when you go into a state that has serious coronavirus problems, doing mass gatherings turns off another set of voters. So while you are satisfying your base and giving them that you're, you are firing them up, you're equipping them and saying, you know, thank you for being with us. You know, you're making this great common cause for persuadable voters. You're going to turn off some persuadable voters because this is not a time where people think we ought to be having mass rallies. Interesting. Um, that's interesting. Uh, take on that. We know, too, Washington Post has two polls, has a poll out. One, it shows Michigan within striking distance for the president, I think, within six. And it shows 17 in Wisconsin. I haven't seen anything where 17 in Wisconsin, a place he barely won but did win last time and had made multiple appearances. Do you think those numbers stand? I think, uh, So for right now, at least, the Wisconsin result is definitely an outlier, right? Uh, there's there's not another poll that's in that same neighborhood. Now, every every poll agrees that Trump is behind pretty substantially uh, in both of those states. Uh, and I think that's the case. So you, when you see a poll like this come in, you then wait to see if it gets friends, right? <laughs> Does it have friends? Are there other, are we going to see other polls that show up that say it's 12, it's 14, it's 11? Or are the polls going to stay where they've been? which is in the high, basically the high single digits in Wisconsin and in Michigan. So uh, I believe he's kind of he's closing in uh, fast in Michigan. And I think the governor's his greatest ally there. Uh, Tim Murtaugh was on uh, with it with uh, last night and was actually on a phoner with this. And he weighed in. He's Trump's campaign manager, obviously, uh, communications director, I should say. And he weighed in and says the early voting in Florida uh, tells a good story for the president. Cut nine. The Democrats have not opened up a large enough lead in the early vote totals, and they know it. I would further point out that they know it. Uh, They know that, and it's why you've seen them shift their focus. If you remember back to the Democrat National Committee, basically the entire message of the DNC, uh, I mean, uh, when I say committee, I meant convention, basically the entire message of the DNC was to vote by mail, vote by mail right now, fill it out right now, and put it in the mail tomorrow. Michelle Obama dedicated basically her entire set of remarks to that premise. They have now realized that they put too many eggs in the vote-by-mail basket, and they are not hitting the marks that they need. And he believes they have an advantage but not great enough. Do you see the same thing? No. I, 
I've heard both sides claim advantages in the early polling and that they are, you know, cracking the chicken bones in the bottom of the pot and it's all ignore it, right? Ignore, ignore, ignore everything that Republicans and Democrats are telling you about what the early vote says, because here's the truth. Early voting is going to be up nationally about 50 percent, right? So it's going to be about 40 percent last time. It's going to be about 60 percent this time. And anybody who tells you, oh, this means this, they don't know what they're talking about there. Well, and the other thing is, we remember, these folks are paid. To, it's not like these guys are going to come on and say, this looks really bad for us. So I throw all of that conjecture out and I throw all of the conjecture out about the early vote, whether it's good for Democrats or good for Republicans, because we're turning up the volume to such a great degree that we're not going to be able to rely on our priors in any reasonable way. This is just such a big change that we just have to wait and see. Chris Tyrewell with us. Chris, I want you to weigh in on what Matt Towery was on with Sean Hannity last night. He's Insider Advantage chairman. He's another poll outfit and says this is what he's seeing early, and maybe we'll see this in the end, cut 20. We're seeing African-American voters at about 15, 14, 15 percent in these polls. Now, that can sometimes tick down or up, but I have never—I've been doing this a long time, both as a candidate, as a pollster, as a columnist. I have never seen a Republican with 15 percent of the African-American vote or thereabouts this close to an election ever in the entire time I've ever polled. So— if that happens, what changes? If the Republicans, it's a pathetic number overall, but not in the scheme of things. If the, he goes up from 9% last time to 15% this time, how does, how does that play out in the Electoral College? Uh, Trump, has, uh, Trump has shown substantial improvement in polls uh, with African-American men and Hispanic men versus 2016. And we, we would and sort of the twist about this election. So we've talked about working class white voters, working class white voters, working class white voters all the time. And this is Trump's space and Trump's space and Trump's space. But the interesting thing is that if Trump loses, he'll lose because of white voters. It won't be because of minority voters, because I, I have every reason to expect that Trump will perform somewhat better with Hispanic voters and with African-American voters than he did four years ago. Part of it is economic. But another part of it, especially as it relates to Hispanic vote, non, among non-white voters, choosing to get rid of immigration as an issue has helped Trump. Obvi there's obvious benefit to Trump with Hispanic voters and non-white voters in general uh, and embracing a more uh, a, a, a more embracing approach to these matters. We think back to the Republican convention and the swearing in ceremony at the White House. So I think Trump has made substantial gains with non-white voters. His problem is that white voters have turned against him in a way that is really hard to manage. We'll see. Uh, not the white voters I've seen, uh, and they're not the ones in the flotilla, not the one with these parades, even in blue states. But there's one thing that's overwhelming that you have not touched on yet that can reveal the winner. Okay. And uh, I can't believe I have to go to another post to your arch enemy, Frank Luntz. <laughs> uh, you guys have been rivals for years. For years. And, and he says, Bitter. anytime the Dodgers win the World Series, a Republican wins the White House. Why have you not brought this up yet? Well, you know, uh, last time the Cubs won the World Series, when Trump was running last time, the Cubs won the first World Series since, what, 1909? Yeah. So baseball auguries, man, you never know. So were the, would you say the Dodgers were the underdog? I guess that's right. That would have to be the case because they were behind in the series count, right? Would you say they were the underdog going in? I would not say so. Uh, having been in the series, I think, for the last five years and playing against the Rays. But uh, they okay. did, you know, well, by, by Los Angeles. I feel so bad. They win an NBA championship and the World Series, and their governor won't let them even go outside or smile. 
which is we know that smiling <laughs> leads to COVID contagion, uh, or certainly not go to a sports bar. So we understand that we want to do something for the public and do something for Chris Steyerwald. So Allison oh found this that she thinks you can learn from and benefit from. Well, people aren't getting in the hugs they used to before the pandemic. So if you need a hug, there's this. There is a Dutch practice called cow hugging, where people literally hug cows for hours. The BBC says the cow's warmer body temperature, slower heartbeat, and mammoth size can make hugging an incredibly soothing experience. And during the pandemic, cow hugging has apparently become a lot more popular. So, Chris, uh, mm. will you do this? Well, I mean, let's start with the understanding that the Dutch have really nice cattle. Right. They're clean. They're dairy. Ca it's a small country. Did not know they're that. beautiful. Right. So I see the attraction for people that I'm like, you know, an American American beef that it's a pretty messy scene out in the fields. Right. <laughs> the, that it's it, it may be a nicer experience. You're there by some tulips and a dike and you're hugging the cow and it's very soothing. I don't know if it's going to catch on here, though. Yeah. I'm going to just focus on eating them and and eating the delicious cheese that they produce. Right. And tulips are with what? Tulips are with, oh, now, come on now. I, I, I don't even know what you're talking. I mean, I no Dykes. Dykes, Oh, sir. damn. So, Chris, have you had trouble uh, with, uh, do you feel lonely during the pandemic? No, I have spent more time with my kids. It, it's interesting. I know how much it has hurt Business. so many people yeah. and so many and so much heartache and so much devastation and all the lost loved ones and all of that stuff. But, you know, I think I'm like a lot of dads that because of the work disruption, I've just had so much more time with my kids and it's been wonderful because they're wonderful people and I like being with them. Fantastic. Chris, we ended on an upbeat note. I can't help it. Yeah. So listen, uh, Chris, uh, have a great election night and we'll, uh, I look forward to talking to you after. Well, hopefully we'll have a winner. Just last, my last prediction. Will we have a winner November 4th? Uh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Okay. <laughs> that's what I want to happen so that I can, so that I can go home. No, Chris Tyrewell thinking selfishly back, right. back in a moment. Thanks, Chris. Stay safe. one 408 You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everyone. We told you these big tech uh, CEOs are addressing the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee. And Ted Cruz went at it uh, just now with Jack Dorsey of Twitter. He's a mellow guy, keep in mind. He's got a Civil War beard. And uh, basically, just know this. Twitter decided that that New York Post story with all the emails from Bobolinsky was not worthy of our eyes. So they would not let people retweet it. And they put on a shelf, iced out, locked out the New York Post Twitter account. So Ted Cruz won uh, challenge Dorsey. Listen to the exchange. Is it, is it your position that Twitter, when you can't tell the source, blocks blocks press stories? No, not at all. Um, we, our, our team made a fast decision. Uh, the enforcement action, however, of blocking URLs, both in tweets and uh, in DM, in direct messages, we believe was incorrect. And we changed it. Today, right now, the New York Post is still blocked from tweeting two weeks later. Yes, they have to log into their account, which they can do at this minute delete the original tweet, which fell under our original enforcement actions, 
and they can tweet the exact same material and the exact same article, and it would go through. So, Mr. Dorsey, your ability is you have the power to force a media outlet. Let's be clear. The New York Post isn't just some random guy tweeting. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. The New York Post is over 200 years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton, and your position is... Oh, we lost it right after that? Okay. So obviously he's going at it. Now, wait a second. They have to go back in and log in again? You're not, you have to, you're not able to enact and unfreeze somebody's account? It's incredible. And, and, and Jack Dorsey evidently is, is hands off. But, I mean, his, obviously his marching orders are clear. And I bring you back to what, uh, what Neil Ferguson told us on this show and sold us on Fox and Friends to look out come 2020. There'll be some rebalancing. Here's cut 39. I wasn't in the least surprised when in this election year, Twitter and Facebook uh, ramped up uh, the censorship. uh, And it's actually more than just the New York uh, Post story about Hunter Biden. There's in fact a, a great deal of this kind of thing going on this year, some of it isn't attracting as many headlines. Uh, But I think this was always likely to happen, Brian, for one very simple reason. The big tech companies have become the public square. They dominate uh, the way in which people consume news. And this is way too much power for corporations that when you press them say, oh, we're just a technology company. We're just a platform. And that is Neil Ferguson telling us exactly what we're experiencing right now. Uh, Let's find out in the last few minutes we have if there's indeed more to know. More to know. So Bill Maher is calling out Democrats for allowing Ginsburg's seat to be filled by Republicans. Listen. The Democratic plan for the Supreme Court was Ruth Bader Ginsburg doesn't die. (laughs) And that's why they're such a loser party. I mean, I vote for them, but they don't know how to do politics. When you lose power, you keep losing it. And that's so, where we are now. And they should have made her retire during the Obama years. They thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win. That's Bill Moore. Next. The Dodgers drought is over. First world title since 1988. Listen. That's strike three. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. The Dodgers had the weight of the world on them. And I'm telling you right now, there is a relief that you cannot understand until you've been there, done that. And they have answered a lot of those questions. Rays were great. They had a great pitcher out there, uh, their ace, and they took him out in the sixth. Snell was taken out, and they never were able to recover. Kind of odd. Justin Turner taken out late in this game uh, after he tested positive for the coronavirus. He put on a mask and went and celebrated with the team. I'm not sure that was wise. But in the eighth inning, right? You're playing the entire time and you come out in the eighth inning. That's insane. I know. I mean, what do you do, though? If you're a manager, do you leave him out there? Do you battle to leave him out there? Yeah, for the one inning. But, I mean, I feel like if you've been exposed at this point by him, you'll be exposed in the last inning. Right? Isn't that an example of them just being so afraid if they kept him in that extra inning? I don't know. Uh, I know. I guess. I mean, I have no idea. It's totally unplowed ground. I have no idea. So, But then he was out and celebrating with his wife with a mask on. Hey, guys, go to BrianKillMeShow.com. Download the podcast. You can also get it on Spotify, iTunes, and iHeart. And go to BrianKillMe.com. Order any of my books. I can personalize them and send them out to you. I promise. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. No reason to listen to anything else. 
pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.